Welcome to Theatre Voice, a podcast about performance from the V&A. Theatre in the UK can feel uncomfortable or controversial or edgy, but it rarely feels dangerous. For Belarus Free Theatre, danger is a permanent accompaniment to the work that they make. Coming from a country ruled by a man known as Europe's last dictator, the company does not officially exist. Its productions have been subject to shutdowns, its founders and ensemble members have faced arrests, harassment, even prison sentences. Their performances over the last decade have been in secret, with audience members only able to buy tickets on the phone and rendezvous locations revealed on the day to prevent being shut down. Founders Natalia Koliada and Nikolai Klezhin fled Belarus a decade ago, holding rehearsals and meetings on Skype for 10 years. But late last year, the whole 14-strong ensemble made the decision to go into exile, to avoid facing the consequences of Lukashenko's oppressive regime. Belarus Free Theatre is at a difficult moment in its history. It is a refugee company. Uprooted, forced out of their home country by a dictator, the victims of state harassment, arrests, now exile. Yet the company is still creating work. Its latest piece at the Barbican in London is an adaptation of Aliad Baharevich's novel Dogs of Europe. It predicts a huge invasive Russian superstate. It was mid rehearsals when Russia invaded Ukraine. Over the past decade and more, Theatre Voices talked to Natalia Koliada and Nikolai Kolezhin, the company's founders, several times. It felt like an important time to revisit some of those conversations as a reminder of how essential and how courageous theatre can be. So let's return first to 2011, when Dominic Cavendish asked Natalia how and why the company was set up. It was an idea after... Belarusian playwrights started to receive awards outside of Belarus, but they were banned in Belarus. Uh, Nikolai was one of those playwrights who were acclaimed outside of Belarus, but in Belarus he was not recommended for production in state theatres. And uh, in Belarus we have only state theatres, and it means that you cannot be produced at all. So it was uh, one of the ideas how we want to bring back names of uh, Belarusian playwrights back to the country and same time to start to translate uh, playwrights from different parts of the world into Belarusian and Russian in order for people in Belarus to get to know others and to get to know the world through contemporary plays. We, we met with Vladimir Sherbin, who is a brilliant uh, director, and he worked at the National Theatre named after Janka Kupala. This is the, na- the main theatre in Belarus. And at that time he was uh, directing 4.48, Psychosis by Sarah Kane, and it was not possible to perform this piece at the National Theatre. And uh, we got together... And we started to look for places where we could perform it. And it was not possible to make it. And uh, about 27 places denied us a permission to perform. We started to check why it's so. And they said, because there is no suicide in Belarus. There are no sexual minorities in Belarus. No mental problems. And we said, exactly, all of it is happening in the UK. And they said, you know what? But it could happen to Belarusians when they see it. And this is the most scary part of it, because uh, Belarus stays on one of the first places on suicide in Europe. So it means it's not that 
people will see it, it would happen to them. But it's happening to them, but nobody could talk about that. So whatever topic you choose, it's become political and it's become taboo zone. Whether you are talking about suicide, sexual minorities, economic problems, political kidnappings, whatever topic you choose, it cannot be uh, discussed publicly. So, so just to clarify, this stage, 2005, you'd say that the situation in Belarus was extremely politically repressive, and you, you felt that as citizens. Did you feel at that stage that you couldn't, you had no real freedom of expression at that point? Is that, is that fair? The, there was no uh, freedom of expression at that point, uh, but we didn't think that we would create theatre. Uh, as a tool of war. We just wanted to create theater and do theater. Uh, in terms of uh, freedom of expression, there was no freedom of expression, uh, no independent media, uh, no possibility for musicians to play. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, there were already uh, political kidnappings and murders at the time that they started to happen in 1999, 2000 years. And in 1999, when it was a real challenge for Belarusian regime, um, and it was a possibility to organize alternative presidential election, uh, people started to be killed and kidnapped, and uh, even poisoned. For example, it started from Gennady Karpenko, who was one of the main uh, opponents to the regime. And uh, he was poisoned, and he died. Um, in uh, 1999, uh, so it's uh, it was an idea to like, eliminate uh, and disappear main layers of the society, main opponent, political businessman who supported democratic forces, the person who was uh, a head of electoral committee and organized alternative elections, uh, journalists, so everyone, uh, and. Uh, it is like obvious for any society that it takes so much time to raise new leaders and everything that is happening now in Belarus when main opponents like Andrei Sainikov and his team, um, Dmitry Bandarenko, Alexander Troshenkov, uh, are now in jail for many years. Uh, so it's just again to destroy the whole opposition in Belarus. And so you, um, back in 2005, you both were still working, is that right? I just wanted to clear clear up what your, your backgrounds were. You, you, you're a journalist as well as a playwright, is that the case? Чем ты занимался до 2005 года? Ты был журналистом также. Before Belarus Free Theatre in 2005, uh, Nikolai, uh, he had uh, the only uh, contemporary art gallery, and it was closed down as well. Then uh, he was uh, leading uh, three uh, main newspapers in Belarus. All of them were closed down as well. And, and uh, independent newspapers with the biggest circulation. Uh, then uh, he um, was a political advisor. And uh, theater in his life was uh, in the uh, 80s when he was uh, stage designer of alternative theater as well so it, they were absolutely different areas but all of it was bent and at that uh, moment moment of 2005 
he uh, got tired from politics, and it was uh, uh, a, a time to get back to the theater. My my father was uh, one of the main people in the Belarusian theater. Uh, my mother was a TV director. I wanted to become an actress, but it was not possible because my father, he was a vice president of Academy of Arts. And it was not possible for children uh, of top management uh, to enter the same institution where their parents work. And uh, my brother told me that you should become diplomat. It's the same thing as an uh, actress, but you would speak a foreign language. So uh, I went uh, and graduated from uh, uh, the history department that were preparing uh, people to become diplomats. And same time I, I graduated from American Humboldt College uh, and uh, got education in business management and marketing. But anyway, I believe it's DNA that talks in me and uh, my parents who graduated from theater academy um, anyway, it's become obvious that I will do theater. And uh, I was working for American government a lot for many years. Uh, and uh, in 2001, uh, I uh, left American embassy and I started to work uh, with Nikolai and with Charter 97. This is the main like, um, website, uh, independent resource in Belarus, on Belarus, and um, I was doing monitoring on human rights violations there. And then uh, we just started to make the theater. And it's interesting that the only public space now exists underground in Belarus, where people could think freely. And you, at that point, were you being pursued by the police and the KGB? Were you, were you able to keep one step ahead? We've been always uh, keeping a uh, few steps ahead, uh, but at that point uh, Nikolai already uh, sat in jail. I was already arrested, uh, standard trial for supporting uh, our friends and being members of Charter 97, the We Remember Foundation, and uh, it was just absolutely clear choice of us that we just need uh, to say whatever we think um, and um, like he was uh, organizer Nikolai was organizer of uh, uh, one of the big street rallies uh, that was uh, going under the name uh, we cannot live like that together with our friend Dmitry Bandarenko who is now in jail in Belarus who got two years in jail his health is totally destroyed. He needs surgery, but it's not provided to him. We do worry about his health now. Uh, Amnesty International recognized uh, Nikolai as a prisoner of consciousness for uh, that uh, term in jail because he was kept in a stone glass. It's a very tiny cell where you could only stand. You cannot um, sit or move. There are no windows there. And... Um, uh, and he's uh, claustrophobic, so he had this uh, attacks of uh, uh, panic attacks there, and his breathing was interrupted. So it's like already six years passed, but from time to time he cannot uh, breathe properly. 
So I cannot even, even imagine what is happening now to all our friends and other people who are now in jail in Belarus because he stayed there for 10 days and uh, still he has these horrible problems with his health. But people are tortured now in KGB jail and we don't know what's happening to their So this peri- these periods of prison, these predated even the formation of the theatre. Yeah. So you knew how horrible yeah. they could be. So did you feel that by setting up the theatre you would come into conflict with these kind of thuggish elements? I mean, did you feel as though you had to prepare yourselves psychologically for what that would mean in terms of when you a battle with the state? From the very beginning, because it's not even about your activities, it's connected to your names. Yes, it was obvious uh, that it would be a battle, uh, but we've been trying to postpone that moment when... Uh, uh, all activities of the theater uh, would be uh, under such an attention in order to produce performances and start to show it to people. Of course, we knew that uh, it, it would be a battle, uh, but we didn't think that it would be at such level that it reached now. And did you have a desire to make work that could in some way reflect the political situation of the country itself or at that stage was it really more a case of wanting just to find the freedom to do any kind of work I mean I don't know whether there was a desire to actually critique the system that you were in or not we actually just wanted to create the theatre and um, because like old people who are in the theatre, they have a professional background, they are professional actors, they are professional directors. Um, so people just wanted uh, uh, to make theatre and uh, as I was testifying at US Senate and I said that we gathered together in order to make uh, theatre and to say whatever we want, whenever we want, uh, to whom we want, wherever we want, by means of arts. It's so important to give a value of one human being alive back to the world when uh, the world really forgot this value of one person's life. It's not possible to wait for people to be killed in order to pay attention to the country. And I think this is like, uh, in reality, this is the role of any contemporary artist to give this value back to just one human being life. Because anyway, whether we want to say that artists cannot uh, talk about politics, artists need to be above the fight, artists need to stay out of politics, uh, artists need to make uh, pure art. It's not possible because everything is connected to one human being life and, ev- and politics is part of this life, whether you want it or not. I, mean, I read at various points that there had been uh, infiltrations by the police, but initially it was more of a show of power than arrests and so on. At what point did things become I mean, so unpleasant that, that uh, members of the audience or actors were themselves harassed and... Когда начались все преследования театра и в каких как оно проявлялось? Это абсолютно поступательная динамика. Сначала они предоставляют помещение, 
потом э, запрещают э, владельцам помещений тебя принимать, потом начинают увольнять с работы, потом начинают э, бить, потом начинают арестовывать и так далее, и так далее. И сейчас дошло до того, что уже уголовные дела. So it was a development of situation, and uh, first uh, you would not be allowed uh, uh, to have an access to public spaces to perform. Uh, your name would be banned. Uh, then um, you would lose your job. Then uh, you would be like, threatened and uh, beaten up. And then uh, it came to the point of uh, criminal cases, as it is now. Uh, in, in details, uh, when we started the global artistic campaign, um, Free Belarus, uh, that is supported by artists, Uh, it started, like, we started to have pressure, so it was August of 2007, uh, after we met with uh, Mick Jagger, uh, frontman of Rolling, Stone, uh, Rolling Stones, and uh, with Vaclav Havel and Tom Stoppard, and all of them, they made video appeals to people of Belarus, so it was not about theater, but it was done by us, and we initiated this campaign. So in two weeks after we started this uh, campaign and uh, they made video appeals, uh, we were arrested together with all spectators. And uh, arrest uh, took place, was organized by three different uh, uh, special and intelligent forces, by KGB, Special Division of Police and District Police. And this was in 2007? Seven. It was in Minsk, you mainly working in Minsk, or was it all over the country that you were it, it was all over the country. We went to different areas, uh, but the arrest took place in Minsk. Anyway, we were released at the morning, next morning, uh, and um, uh, we went outside of Minsk to perform to the regions, and um, police and KGB arrived there anyway and they put all the names of people down uh, in order then to blackmail them. And we avoid arrest only because we invited uh, ambassadors of uh, European countries to attend this performance. So they were talking to police, not us. They said that you cannot go there because we have diplomatic immunity. And this way we were saved. Again, you always have a choice and it was our choice because we wanted to make the theater and we wanted to say whatever we think and whatever we feel. In 2015, Belarus Free Theatre celebrated their 10th anniversary with a season at the Young Vic in London. Heather Neal spoke to Natalia Koliada and Nikolai Kolezhin at the time to talk about their activism. You two are considered enemies of the state. I think that's and so you are exiled. As long as Alexander Lukashenko is in power. Uh, and he's just won another election, um, presumably uh, a fixed election. And, um, and he says he's going to be president for life. So for, for the BFT, art, politics and personal stories are inseparable. How do you view the situation now? There are, there are fewer demonstrations this time than there were five years ago. Ago, the last election. 
has the regime silenced its opponents at home? Are you carrying a flag for freedom far from home without very much happening in in Minsk? I can't say that we don't have a home. Мы недавно беседовали с нашим другом, музыкантом, который вынужден был тоже уехать из Беларуси. И он очень хорошо сказал, он сказал, почему-то власти думают, что у нас нет в Минске. Но его музыка там звучит, наши спектакли там играются, мы, мы присутствуем в медийном пространстве, в социальных сетях, все время открыты для доступа белорусов, информативно. Ну, то есть я не могу сказать, что нас там нет. То есть мы физически, да, нам там троим, четверым надо, нужно, нужно находиться в другой стране. Это не мешает продолжать ставить спектакли в Беларуси, по скайпу, и в том числе привозить эти спектакли сюда, Skype is a wonderful thing for you, isn't it? Yeah. Skype. Um, um, Natalia, you before Natalia. every one of the performances in secret locations, you joined the two audiences together, an audience in Minsk with an audience in London via Skype. Yeah. Yeah. Which, were, which which was very moving. But um, were, they were then able to watch the streamed yeah, show, yes, were they? But were they, obviously they were really in secret locations, yeah, unlike yeah, us, we were playing at it, really. Yes, absolutely, Skype is a real tool uh, for our existence. Mm. So first of all, we continue to teach uh, that particular way. Uh, for example, now we are at the Yambik uh, space, uh, what is our London home base, and uh, Three times a week I get on Skype from here with our students underground in Minsk and uh, we work on uh, artistic projects with them that they need to present before the new year and it would be connected to disability. Uh, and uh, the same way uh, we direct shows, so uh, Vladimir and Nikolai will get on Skype from uh, our places where we live and they will direct shows that way. Right. Uh, I sometimes uh, there are many funny stories how it's done because um, when uh, actors uh, kind of get annoyed with directors and because our directors are emotional people as many people from Eastern Europe and uh, actors just say you know it's such a bad internet we just don't hear you <laughs> That's and, a very uh, good excuse. <laughs> and they say, oh, could we reconnect with you a little bit later? But at the same time, there are other moments like when you just um, uh, watch um, from a distance and uh, they will say, now move me around. And one of our managers will move this head, either it's Nikolai or Vladimir, in a screen, moving around a room and saying, okay, I need to see what's happening in that corner or that corner. So bring me... Uh, closer, so it's, it's it's very. I mean, like, of course, we're trying to find those funny moments uh, yes. there, mm -hmm. but it's very exhausting and uh, complex uh, process. In terms of um, our audience, usually uh, when we open shows underground in Belarus, it's us who get on Skype with our audience uh, from London, and we say how happy we. Uh, 
like to have them with us uh, over there and we call our audience underground in Belarus the bravest audience in the world and uh, now that was this whole idea to connect audiences mm -hmm. and it's not pre-recorded video and this is the whole major point uh, that audiences are connected in that particular moment and they share theater at that particular moment and I think it's exactly about kind of going beyond borders and uh, overcoming yes. and proving yes. to dictatorships like okay guys you could put a lot of pressure on us but we'll find a way how to get to get connected with our audience and to create theater. Yes, I, I wondered about how yeah, they react to what you are doing here. Because some people like um, Irina Kali, for instance, who uh, is very critical of them and lives in Minsk, but writes for a Moscow newspaper. She was very outspoken in front of an audience in, in London. But, and can she, this is the whole point, like those people who uh, chose that type of life that we lead. Uh, it's a very uh, uh, consciousness decision that you made uh, and um, we do it on purpose. We mm -hmm. speak what we think. Uh, Václav Havel, who was uh, our friend and supporter of the company, we very often uh, refer to him, uh, even he, he's gone and uh, he said that if you want to continue uh, a situation uh, the way it is now in Belarus, you keep whispering. If you want to change it, mm. you need to shout. Yes. And he told us that in 2005, and this is what we are doing the last 10 right. years. Nikolai was doing that with uh, his journalistic career uh, mm. before his three newspapers, the major independent newspapers got closed down. Yeah. Uh, so you, it's a, it's a very black and white situation, there is no grey zone there. Mm. Uh, it's not possible to think, oh yeah, it's kind of okay and I could still uh, exist, but if you don't make your position very obvious, mm. this is the end to your life. But uh, Irina will go back to Minsk. She uh, will. And, uh, Minsk. Now uh, uh, Lukashenko is playing uh, in the game, one of hundreds of them uh, that uh, he was playing before with European Union and very sadly European Union is buying that. And uh, uh, again and again we have a situation of realpolitik, so-called peace talks on Ukraine took place in Belarus. Belarus is referred mm. only as a Minsk agreement. Nobody mentioned uh, political kidnappings and murders and bodies of those main opponents never discovered. Nobody got punished for that. And European Union is pretending that everything is uh, fine there. Uh, but the game of European Union now is to keep Belarus out of Russia and not to allow uh, Russia to have its influence. But they don't understand the moment when Russia decides to invade Belarus, they will do it. Yeah. In these last 20 years, there were a few cases against Irina. Anna she was in prison. She was in a house arrest. If you want to ask whether she would be safe, she would be 
опасности. Yes, she would be in, in, in a permanent danger. Yes. Но когда власти Rather захотят против нее очередной раз Сейчас власти играют в такой либерализм, отпустили Таких уже было пять волн. Как только Лукашенко нужны деньги, он сажает политзаключенных и выторговывает за них деньги у Ирина When she was arrested and she was brought to KGB jail, she saw uh, very many wooden planks prepared for many political uh -huh. prisoners. And it was absolutely unexpected how prepared authorities were for that. Mm. That, um, that particular production was, was, um, be began with um, a real recording didn't it mm -hmm. actually by Irina because mm -hmm. she, she was still speaking she was still broadcasting when she was arrested and we have, we have that recording and it's quite extraordinary to hear that and then to meet her afterwards да, это жуткая запись, на самом деле. И когда она звучала в прямом эфире, это было еще более страшно. Потому что ты не знаешь... Когда гудки начинаются... 
the beeps. Ты понимаешь, что ты не знаешь, она you, жива, на него бросали щиты и And we understand that it's not possible for us just to talk about one particular country, knowing that there are similar stories all over the world. And uh, we need to connect those dots and say that it's not possible for us just to talk about ourselves, especially in this moment of globalization, when the whole world has became a tiny place. If one particular segment is removed and ignored, then it's kind of a chain reaction uh, if it's not stopped on time and solved. A lot of your work is devised and based on the experience of people in the company or people you know. But you also do work by Sarah Kane, for instance, and, and Pinter and so on. Um, I, I think it was, uh, like for us, it was uh, such an important moment uh, to replicate the way we do it back in Belarus when our audience stays with us uh, to share food uh, after sharing arts and then share thoughts. Uh, and this is exactly what we wanted uh, to achieve here. And uh, I need to admit, like yesterday, uh, it was kind of that final moment when I, I realized that uh, we achieved that goal. Uh, I never saw uh, in any British theater, at any public discussion, that people will stay after show and they will not kind of look at their watch and they will continue to listen what is going on in terms of a conversation. And uh, we really wanted once again to say how it is important uh, to understand that one person, one particular human being, has enough strength to change a society. Uh, not in a global stage, it's not necessary for us to change the whole world, but even if it's possible for us to move in small communities and start from solving some specific issues, it, it could be moved to different topics and different uh, levels. Really, I mean, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I, happy about uh, audience staying uh, mm. and talking and uh, getting engaged and uh, understanding uh, that there is a possibility for us not to wait for politicians uh, to tell us what we have to do but for us to tell them what they have to do uh, and it's interesting that when you live under democracy it's like suddenly you are losing that um, and the urgency because mm. you f you feel very protected and safe but in reality it's not true
In the second part of Heather's interview to celebrate 10 years of Belarus Free Theatre in 2015, she spoke to the company's long-time director, Vladimir Sherban, about their working method. The ending of this bit is very much worth sticking around for. It's funny, but it's also brilliantly defiant and triumphant. But if you talk about our principle, then, uh, from the... From the limitations, from what has been taken away. Собственно, это и суть свободного театра, да? is the meaning of Belarus Street Theatre. Нравится нам самим это или нет? Whether we like it or not. Да, но как бы мы все все проблемы мы делаем переводим в плюс, да? All the problems that we have, we have to convert it into positivity plus. И допустим, как бы мы не любим театр в классическом. То есть мне лично нравится, когда театр рождается на ровном месте. Из тех предметов, которые нам всем понятны. И вдруг эти предметы они вдруг приобретают несколько значений превращаются в метафору. поэтому мы работаем с тем, что у нас под рукой. Просто то, что вы находите. Абсолютно. Тем более, если учишь, что, допустим, я репетирую очень эмоционально. Конечно, скайп, он дисциплинирует Потому что ты должен минимально использовать слова. И они должны быть максимально внятными. Up to the max, they have to be articulate. Uh, so голос, you can't raise your voice because that, that minute you get the bad quality on Skype. <laughs> actors, <laughs> даже, да, and да, the actors, они уже идут на уловки у нас. They, they try to find wiggle their way out of this emotional. You know, говорят, rage, they just say we can't hear you. <laughs> so we can't hear you. Let's bring you back. Тут как бы вопрос задачи, конечно, да, потому что задача у нас была выжить. И выжить для нас это делать спектакль. Да, то есть играть премьеры, значит, И понятно, что первые первые репетиции были непростые. Потому что как Но ничего мы Теперь меня носят, показывают Сколько у тебя актеров? Сколько у нас актеров? Но вот нам уже 10 лет исполнилось, и основной состав это 5 актеров, которые я нашел буквально в первые дни Вот, собственно, это с самого начала, и они с нами на протяжении 10 лет. И, конечно, их 
вклад в развитие тяганья цене. Но понятно, что нам нужна была новая кровь. И в 2008 году мы организовали лабораторию под названием Фортенбрас. И вот как бы и там воспитываем уже своих That was just a small selection of interviews with Belarus Free Theatre from the Theatre Voice archive. There are more on theatrevoice.com and they are all very, very much worth listening to. There's also hundreds and hundreds of other conversations on there. The producers of this podcast are Tim Bano and Helen Gush. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.